Welcome everybody back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Wednesday, January 27th. It is a game day. The Cards taking on Clemson. A late night tip tonight, 9 o'clock. It's a sort of a uh, last second deal, kind of hastily thrown together here. We'll get into all that good stuff here later in the podcast. But first, uh, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard is in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was uh, I was just telling you beforehand. It's been a little bit of a hectic day. Where it's our our new babysitter's first day, and she's awesome. But our our oldest son is not on his best behavior, I would say, and it's uh it's caused an issue for me. But uh, it's day one. We'll get through it. But I'm ready for the day to be over and to watch the cards tonight. Yeah, he, you're dealing with that. I am. We haven't recorded a pod since last Thursday, and there have been a couple of reasons why. The biggest being, and and I blame myself. I'll I'll get right into it because it will lead into the Duke discussion. But on the last podcast, which was uh, last Thursday, I mentioned that our hot water heater was having an issue, and I made the statement, quote, because because it was pointed out to me by multiple people, quote, minor inconveniences are the worst thing in the world, which. I mean, a bit hyperbolic. Obviously, there are way worse things in the world than minor inconveniences. But since then, I mean, we've been dealing with here at CC headquarters like 5,000 minor inconveniences. <laughs> we just we just got the hot water heater back, like replaced. We had to get a, a totally new one. Got that reinstalled. Hot water's back in the house. That was this morning. Just happened like an hour ago. So uh, we we had a bunch of other stuff. Here's the quick summary, and it will lead into the Duke game. So Thursday night, hot water heater, done. Like, just, just just not working. We don't think it's that big of a deal. We think it's just a small part, um, but we don't have hot water. Thursday night, my wife and I are, are sitting up, and we both start, like, looking at the signs of a gas leak because we've had a few things here and there happen, one being our LG&E bill was just astronomical out of nowhere, um, and then a couple of other things happened that, that made us raise our eyebrows. So, of course, we freak out. And spend the entire Thursday night not sleeping, setting alarms every 30 minutes, checking on the baby, making sure we're all okay. Call the lg e guy first thing Friday morning. He comes out, walks into the room where our, our furnace and our hot water heater is and all that good stuff. And within two seconds says the, the, the two words, that's illegal. Which is <laughs> never something you want to hear in these types of situations. Like he's got his wand out. He's like, I'm not, he's like, he's like there may be a leak. We'll deal with that later. But your main line here, your your trunk line, is going over your clean air return. I don't know how this happened. He basically was like, I don't know how this house like managed to get through any sort of inspection. Um, somebody should have noticed this. You are ridiculous for having this. You're an idiot, basically. And he's like, I'm going to shut your gas off. you got to call a plumber. you got to have this thing fixed. So shuts the gas off. We have no heat. We have no hot water now. Call a plumber Friday afternoon. Call a bunch of plumbers. Put a, I, I did the whole thing where it was like, swallow my pride. I'm putting out the SOS on Twitter. Somebody point me in the direction of where to go, and a lot of people helped out. But everybody I called was like, we can't get to this until next week. We can't get to this until next week. So you're sitting there on Friday thinking, man, like this is going to be the worst thing. It's going to take a, a week for this all to get taken care of. Finally find a plumber who's able to come out Friday afternoon, comes over, bangs around for a couple of hours. He's like, you're good to go. Call LG and And I'm like, holy shit. Like, like we may not have hot water, but this thing's going to get taken care of on Friday. We're going to be able to salvage our weekend. Call LG and to come turn the gas back on. Fails the pressure test. They can't turn the gas back on. Like they're like, there's a huge leak. You're, you're screwed. Basically call the plumber back over. He comes over, bangs around for like five more hours. He's like, <clears throat> I've done the pressure test myself. 
you're good to go. You may have a leak with your furnace. That'll get fixed, but they can turn the gas back on. At least you'll be able to have some heat. At least you'll be able to uh, detect the leak when you call the HVAC guy. So LG&E finally comes back over midnight on Friday. Pressure test fails. Can't turn, can't turn anything back on. My wife and the baby have gone over to her sister's. I'm sleeping full hoodie, two pairs of pajama pants, like five pairs of socks. It's 30 <laughs> degrees in the house. I, I want to die. First thing, Saturday morning, call more people, have them come over, try to figure out what's going on. Call LG&E at about 9 o'clock to try and get back in line so they can come over and test it again, hopefully turn the gas back on. It takes them 10 hours to come back to the house. And I shit you not, when the LG&E person arrived, it was right when we came back from the under four timeout of a tie game against Duke. And I was like, you've got to be just fist fucking. <laughs> this, this is the absolute worst thing. My wife and, and the baby come back over to try and grab some stuff to hopefully, um, they're hoping they can just stay the night. We'll get the heat turned back on. But they, if worst case scenario, she needs some clothes. She's got to get food for dinner. And then they'll go back over to their sisters. So this all leads to Saturday night when Duke is down by three, basically the, the last possession of the game that really mattered. Um, they take the one three that's that's contested. It goes off the rim as they get the, the, the offensive rebound and kick out to a wide open DJ Stewart for a potential game tying three. At that very moment, the LG&E guy tells me he can't turn my gas back on. We've got a leak, uh, a major leak in the furnace that has to be addressed. The ball goes about halfway down. My daughter is screaming bloody murder to be picked up. Had that shot dropped. I would have just walked straight up to the roof and probably jumped off. Like, it, it would have killed me. We don't live in a very big house, but it would have broken at least one of my legs, and that would have been a welcome distraction. It was just the absolute worst. So I slept in the, the frigid cold for two nights. We finally got the gas leak fixed. We got the plumbing pipes fixed. We got the hot water heater fixed today. lg and turned everything back on on Sunday. But it was just, I mean, the week from absolute hell. If you're a kid listening to this, if you're – Early 20s, mid-20s, you're renting, you're living in a, an apartment, you're doing whatever. Owning stuff is overrated. It's just, it's not worth it. It was, I mean, Dan, I haven't slept in a week. I haven't been able to fully absorb the Duke win. I haven't been able to fully get into this Clemson game. It's just been a, a, a nightmare. But at least I'm not having to go over to my parents anymore and shower and bathe my baby like a goddamn hobo like I have been for the past four days. It's, it's, you it's you just, sound like you were living like Walter White when he had to change <laughs> his identity and move to New Hampshire and Breaking Bad. He's just living in that like little cabin where he's having to make his own fire. And he's like, can you just stay? You're like asking the plumber, like, can you just stay a little bit longer? That's, um, <laughs> like not a stretch at all. Like I, I'm not even the worst part was because I called LG and E so early. And they were like, we'll be out at some point today. I couldn't leave the house. I, I couldn't, like, take the dog for a walk. I couldn't just drive around to stay warm. So it's Saturday afternoon, and I'm watching, like, Kansas, Oklahoma, and I feel like Walter White. I've got nobody to talk to, nothing to do. Oh, and I, also I, I plugged in two space heaters that were, I guess, too close to each other. And they were in different rooms, and it blew a fuse. And, like, the, the house, like, the TV goes off, all the lights go off. I think I've done it for the entire house, and I legitimately thought, like, this is the end. Like, like, like I, where, where do I go from here? What, what do I do at this point? Thankfully, it was just the, the living room, and I was able to reset it. But, man, it was just just god-awful. And if, if, if we had lost a Duke, I don't know where I'd be right now. Probably not doing the podcast. Face down in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, God, prayers up for the Rutherfords. I mean, Meanwhile, uh, it, it, can, it can only go up from here. 
Meanwhile, it was kind of funny that the last podcast we did, we joked about like you being a ski guy and having this fancy ski vacation for the weekend while we're living without hot water. How was the, I've seen the videos, I saw you skiing, I know you got to enjoy, I know you were at least watching the game, but how was the Duke viewing experience in your fancy, lavish ski lifestyle? <laughs> um, it, it was good, I mean, we, uh, I, I watched the game at, at my parents' house, which is, um, they just purchased a couple months ago, it's in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, which is like 20 minutes west of uh, Cincinnati, um, but it was a good viewing experience, but I mean, I, I won't lie. We'll get to it in a minute. Um, I think I'm still shaken to the core of when Joey Baker attempted that last three pointer, yeah. and I was like, "Well, like the ball is in the air." And like, I had like five minutes to think on the air. I'm like, "What exactly did I say last podcast <laughs> about Joey Baker?" And I'm like going through my thoughts. But uh, no, it was a it was a good viewing experience. My body was definitely sore from skiing since I hadn't done it in a while, but the kids loved it. My wife, she's been all about skiing her whole life. So uh, we had a good time. I mean, we were so, I don't think I realized, but I did go back and listen to it. We were so unnecessarily aggressive with the Joey Baker stuff. You definitely more so than me, but I added to it. I like I was the one who said the, he's so bad that we're, we can't possibly jinx anything. Like, and he, <laughs> He pulls up, I mean, what, five minutes into the game, like 30 seconds after he checks in, like a zero hesitation three that felt kind of personal. Like, there's no way Joey Baker listened to the pod. Or the it game. literally went in. I was, like, sitting with my, you know, just sitting on the couch. I go, shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the look on his face after he made it was just kind of like, fuck those two guys who were recording from their basements. And, and like, it just, it felt like a personal attack. And then he pulled without hesitation again. A couple possessions later, and if that had gone in, I would have just been in complete panic mode. But thankfully, that was the only shot he made, and you're right. I mean, I, I watched, because everything was going on on Saturday, and I couldn't fully focus on the last four minutes, I went back and watched, like, the last 15 minutes of the second half uh, on Sunday morning. And I was, like, scared watching the Joey Baker shot with them down <laughs> one, even though I knew fully what happened. I'm like, oh, my God, that looked good. And we left and literally, the ball, like, kicked right to him, and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. So outside of avoiding what would have been a just, just total catastrophe for the, the CC podcast, what's your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? Louisville 70 to 65. Um, I, I, I mean – We've repeated a million times, but I just don't even know where this team would be without Carlick Jones. I mean, um, he was just a godsend sent to us last last spring. I mean, he just is the ultimate closer, um, and that's a win that we really had to have because we have a, a you know, I don't want to say a gauntlet coming up, but our our competition is going to start stiffening here in the next. Uh, you know, week and a half, two weeks. So to get that win under our belt, um, I know Duke went and beat Georgia Tech last night, and Georgia Tech's playing pretty decent. Um, it was just a, a win that we had to have. It was nice to have a good start for once. Though, I mean, do I think we could have played better? Of course. There was a couple of times where we, you know, we had maybe a four-point lead or a five-point lead where I was hoping we would just stomp on their throats and break it open, and that never happened. It seemed like we kind of just let them hang around a little bit. But overall, I was I was pleased with the effort, um, and I just the only takeaway I have is it was a, a win that we had to have. So um, I'm I'm definitely happy about it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a game where I think both teams, I won't say equally desperate, Duke probably needed the win more than, than we did, and they got a huge win over Georgia Tech, like you said last night. Speaking of which, did you see the Coach K reaction? I mean, can we talk about that for a brief second? Yeah, I, that was bad. I mean, it, like, he's gone from, like, being stoic to, like, when they, like, clinch a Final Four to, like, uh, when they beat Josh Passner at home, like, celebrating like they just won the title. I mean, it, it feels like it was a production, like, like it was a show that he wanted people to react to. And it was so awkward, like the two handed fist pumps and the high. He looked like one of those socially awkward spelling bee kids after they nail a big word. Like, that's exactly what he looked like. He's like high fiving the other spellers. He's doing like a double fist pump. Like, yes, it was just it was just I mean, you're Duke, you're, you're Coach K. You're maybe the greatest of all time. I get that you're annoyed by the stories that are being written publicly and the things that are being said publicly, but my God, like, like act like you've, you've been here before. I, I think, I think overall it, between the win, you know, and, and kind of the, the couple of days leading up after his reaction to the reporter, which I mean, yes, he was cranky. Do I think it was overblown? I personally do, but there was yeah. no doubt he was, he was, you know, kind of a dick to him, but it, it's it's not the end of the world. But I, I think with the backlash that he took and the fact that Duke had lost three in a row, uh, I think that helped explain the corny reaction that he had. See, I didn't think, like, the response to the student reporter, if you haven't heard it, it's it's everywhere. You can find the, the clip uh, pretty easily. But, like, I didn't think I, – I thought it was a little bit overblown. I didn't think he was as much of a dick to the kid as, as people were – leading to believe like he definitely could have answered it better but the, the part of the, the answer that I leaned into the most that I thought was was him basically saying Louisville's the toughest team he's ever played like, like I mean he makes the comparison he's like he's like imagine you've just taken the toughest econ test of your life and then somebody asked you right away I'm like so basically we're the toughest econ test you've ever taken like that's what Louisville basketball is to you this unranked Louisville team that had just lost two in a row to a Miami team, uh, including a game to a Miami team that has been, I mean, just zero pulse since they played us. They're losing to everybody by 30. Um, like, that's who you're comparing this to. Like, that to me was the, the weirdest part of that whole response. But he's definitely, he's panicked. He, he's, he, he and Calipari both are just, they're doing things they never do. They're, they're saying the wrong things in press conferences. They're making the wrong PR moves. It's just, it's odd to see them so flustered. But it was also great to be a part of, of both of their unravelings here it's been fun to beat duke and kentucky in the same year even though they suck it's great yeah i mean uh, the the kentucky press that they're getting right now it's it's great that like it seems like their fan base is more focused on football than basketball for some reason cal keeps playing devin askew and i absolutely love it um i don't know it's 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 great to be on our side right now do you think let, let's talk because i mean I know you watch a lot of ACC basketball as well, and this is a, a topic that's kind of the deeper you get into a season, the more it always comes up, and it certainly has been coming up the last week or so. Um, I was on the, the Tyson Tate podcast this week, and, and they brought it up. I think Carly Jones is the best player in the conference, and maybe that changes. We've still got like half the, half the league season to go, but right now, I mean, who in this – I know we saw Matthew Hurt, and I know he was fantastic against us, but if we're talking – offense defense passing like like their value to their team the success of their team who in this league right now is better than carly justin champagne is good i think carly jones is the best player in the conference yeah i mean you name the two other guys i was gonna name i mean i i i definitely think right now virginia and florida state um 
are the two best teams in the ACC, but they're just very well balanced. I wouldn't say that anyone, they depend on a certain someone, maybe like Louisville depends on Carleek or like we said, Duke with Matthew Hart, uh, Matt Hart or Pitt with Justin Champagne. But um, it's, I would say it's a three horse race. I, 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 you know, if you bet me money right now, I would probably, and it's, shitty but i would say just because of the name alone you know duke i would say maybe matthew hurt might have the slight edge and i mean he certainly lived up to it on saturday i mean props to david johnson um for the defense that he did on him but my god he was hitting some tough shots but god i mean if if we can keep it rolling here down the stretch i don't see any reason why carly can't take home most outstanding player of the conference because i mean like i said i think he's right there um i think a lot will depend on how these teams finish at the end of the year yeah i know ken palm loves jay huff they have jay huff as the i think the number eight player nationally and the best player in the acc he's the only player who's who's rated as more valuable than carly is um but Maybe you also get a situation with Virginia where Jay Huff and Sam Hauser kind of split the vote. They've both been really good. And like my issue with Jay Huff being league player of the year over Carleek is, and I know that they have way fewer possessions and all that stuff, and Virginia fans are going to flip out about this, but Jay Huff 7-1, Carleek Jones is listed at 6-1. I think he's more like six foot. <laughs> they average the same amount of rebounds. Like, like that to me right there, come on. But like you, you should be pulling down at least two or three more than a guy who's over a foot smaller than you. And Justin Champagny is averaging a double-double. He's fantastic. We didn't see him when we played them last month. Uh, we will see him when we play them again. But, you know, Pitt just lost to Wake Forest. That, that's the other thing that I would say. If Pitt does one of their seemingly annual February slides where they just go back to total irrelevance, then I think it's going to be you, you can't give the conference player of the year to a guy who's, you know, on the 10th or 11th best team in the league, unless he's just putting up astronomical numbers. Um, so I think Carleek's got a really good shot at this. I, I, and it would be wild. We haven't had a conference player of the year on the men's side since Cliff Rozier. All the way <laughs> oh back That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I guess it's kind of, I mean, the fact that we've had so much success um, between now and then tells you that we, we've been a pretty team oriented program, which I guess is good, but um it, it's it's pretty cool to have just a bona fide star and, and that's what Carleek is I mean uh, he's just every time he has the ball under four minutes I, I expect either him going to the foul line or him creating or him finishing at the rim and it's just it's uh it, it feels good to have him on our side All right, I wanted to give three positive shout outs from this game you mentioned the first thing I was going to say which is Chris Mack making the move to put David Johnson on Matthew Hurt. And, and I think, you know, you and I had, had taken the question on the last pod about whether or not there would be changes to the starting lineup for this game. We both said we didn't think there would be. There was. It was uh, Quinzelinski in for Samuel Williamson. And I think the main reason was Mac thought that Quinn could do a better job on Hurt than Williamson could. And that makes sense. I, I mean, I, Quinn is a little bit more physical I think you also have a guy who, like, like he was going to talk shit to Hurt, maybe get in his head a little bit, and it didn't work. It wasn't entirely Quinn's fault. Hurt was hitting some ridiculous shots, but, I mean, he's unconscious in the first half, and then Quinn gets a little bit lost on several possessions to start the second half, and that's when you have to make the move. And Mac, with as important an in-game adjustment as we've seen from a head coach in recent years, puts David Johnson on him. Um, Johnson's able to defend him physically without getting into foul trouble. The, the one foul that he was called for, 
by Ted Valentine was ridiculous. Hurts just yeah, that was awful. Him. And, I mean, he's doing the, the the floundering thing that you're supposed to do. So I guess credit to him. But Johnson's on him. Hurts did make in the second half were really well defended, just absurd shots. But we, if we're gonna nitpick Chris Mack after every loss, which don't get me wrong, it's what you do as fans. We have to also, in the next breath, give him credit for making just a, a really, really solid in-game adjustment. No, 100%. I mean, there, there's not much really to add to that. I mean, um, props to him for – I mean, some coaches get stubborn, and they don't want to do stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, props to him. And, and props to Dave. I mean, uh, guarding Matthew Hurt without fouling is a tough thing to do, especially when he's trying to take you down in the post and he, he has size on you. So – I mean, it, Dave really held his own, and, and we needed every last bit of it there going down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I, I thought for the most part of it, you know, it was a very – I thought it was a very well-coached game by Chris Mack, um, and it, it's nice to see him willing to make adjustments, kind of straying away from the norm if needed to. I think we also need to give a second shout-out here. How about Sam Williamson? I, I think that he – responded to being benched as well as we could have asked for like didn't come in and set the world on fire i was a little bit concerned when he first <laughs> i know we're gonna, gonna say the first floater on the, the baseline. very first session he takes a runner on the baseline that misses by about 13 feet and uh you're like oh boy like this guy did not respond well um he made some some good shots against that duke zone which is what we said he was going to have to do but the thing that he did that had the most value for us was really crash the boards i mean yeah. against duke team that has killed opponents with offensive rebounds and second chances. They came in to Saturday averaging 13 offensive rebounds, only had six against us. And the two biggest boards of the game, Sam both came, he came down with both of them. Uh, he came down with that Joey Baker miss when we were up one in the final minute. And then after they'd gotten the two shots at the tie, the DJ Stewart miss gets knocked around a little bit. Sam gets on the floor, gets his arms around the rebound. Uh, Duke ties him up. We have the possession arrow, and that's basically the game there. I mean, I think... You and I have talked on the, on the pod now what feels like 35,000 times about how we need him to start just making those hustle plays, just to be aggressive and physical and make the winning plays and all the other stuff's going to come. He made the winning plays in the last minute. Carleek did everything on offense, but if, if he doesn't get those two rebounds, who knows what happens? Yeah, and I, I think for Sam, and his points will come. I mean, he's too skilled offensively to go hunting for shots. I think if he just does, you know, if he focuses on rebounding and playing good defense, you know, getting on the floor, I honestly think his games will be much more efficient. I mean, he was three of five for six points and seven rebounds. Would we like him to score a little bit more? Of course. But that's a great start. I mean, if we if we have a sat line of like 8.6 rebounds every game from Sam, 8.7 rebounds, 10 points, five rebounds, I'd be thrilled. You know, I, I, I'm more focused on him, um, like you said, doing the things that you have to be successful at in order to stay on the floor for Chris Mack. And if he does that, the scoring will come because he's too talented. Uh, last shout out here, uh, Dre Davis. I think when Louisville's at its best this year, Dre Davis has been at his best. Like we expect Carly Jones to show out every night and he's pretty much doing that. David Johnson, kind of the same deal. I think the one exception is the Miami game where, where he just did not show up at all. But Dre Davis in Louisville's 10 wins so far this season, he's averaging 10.2 points per game, 4.1 rebounds per game. In our three losses, he's averaging 3.6 points per game and 2.3 rebounds per game. Didn't score uh, a single point against 
uh, Florida State and against Wisconsin. Had 11 in the loss to Miami, but was kind of an afterthought there. And it wasn't all good for Dre on Saturday. I, I said it on Card Chronicle when I did our little write-up. There's always one possession every game where I kind of feel like the, the guy from Super Troopers where he's like, easy rod, easy rod. Like, <laughs> Dre just has this look where you know if he touches the ball, he's going to make a reckless move to the basket. And he did that in the second half uh, when we built a six-point lead and Carleek was just starting to cook. And Dre took the ball and at that moment decided it was time for him to make a spin move into about three defenders for no reason uh, and turn the ball over. Had five turnovers in this game, but still just getting that that solid scoring option from that four spot, getting the solid defense from him when he's playing really well, we've been pretty tough to, to beat so far this year. You know what? And I know he's had some games where he hasn't scored or whatever. The five turnovers, honestly, I, it doesn't bother me too much because my favorite thing about Dre Davis that we've seen from this far is he's a freshman and he has zero fear. And I think that's only going to help him going forward. I, I, I think he'll learn, um, you know, maybe down the stretch which plays that he can make and which plays maybe it, it would be smart to pull back out or, or let somebody else make the play. That'll come with time. But I'm not going to get on a kid for being aggressive in the moment. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the uh, things that fans are probably most excited about him is even though he's a freshman, he, he almost reminds you that he's a sophomore or junior, just how polished he is and the way he carries himself on the court. So, you know, if he's going to do a couple of those things, being his freshman year, I'll live with it because um, I, I just think every time one of those happens, he'll grow and learn from it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that these are all things that, that get worked out over the course of college careers. And it's in a lot of ways you would have liked to have seen Dre and Jalen Withers and even J.J. Trainer play less this year because it would have meant we were healthy from the get-go. But at the same time, like I think this experience is going to be so invaluable for these guys for the next two or three years. Um, I mean, Dre Davis is going to be further along as a sophomore than he, he would have been had we he not had to be thrown right into the starting lineup uh, right off the bat. And Jalen Withers, even though I think he's still playing out of position at the five, um, this is going to make him a more versatile player whenever he's able to move back to his more natural spot. And, and Jalen was good in this game, too. He's been really good for the last, at least on offense, for the last couple of weeks. I saw that he's 28 out of his last 39 from the field, which is over 71%. That's fairly absurd. He was good in this game. Uh, we should also mention Charles Minlin plays nine minutes, um, still has not taken a shot. Hasn't. He's basically just trying not to fuck up on offense, which is understandable. He's kind of just going out there, running the offense, making simple passes. But defensively, he was pretty good, had two offensive rebounds. And if you want to know, if you want an indication of how much Chris Mack believes Midland's going to, to how vital a role he's going to play on this team down the stretch, I think just look at the fact that he had him in the game in the closing minutes when it was it was nip and tuck. It was a tie game, and Charles Midland was out there on the floor um, playing in, in crucial possessions on defense. Would love to see him continue to get into the flow and maybe try to start offensively, but still, it's good to get him this experience right now before the calendar in February, and we need him to start contributing a little bit more. No, I completely agree. I, I love the move by Chris Mack. I mean, of course, we had to win that game, so I, I would probably, maybe I would be saying something different if we lost, but I love that he got him 
meaningful, like, you know, game on the line minutes there down the stretch because players need that to get back into the flow, really. I mean, they, they got to remember what it's like, um, you know, to be able to make plays at certain times when the game is on the line. So I was happy to see that. And, and back to your point about Jalen Withers. I mean, this kid is going to be really damn good. I mean, yeah. I know uh, defense, you know, sometimes he's out of position. Um, you know, there's a couple times where he may mix, miss blockouts. Um, but he, he's on offense just so efficient, especially, like you said, for not playing his position. I'm dying to see what this kid would do at the at the four position with a bona fide center. I think he could be all world. Um, but you can just see his confidence growing, especially on the offensive end with each game. It, it, it's it's fun to see. I like, you know, not that anyone questioned Chris Mack redshirting him last year because we didn't know anything about him. But I mean, it, it's proven to be the right move because. Uh, with how much he's contributed this year, I, I would I would be uh, I would not like to think where we would be without him. Um, and it's it's fun that going down the stretch here, he's only going to get better and better. So I'm looking forward to the last couple months of Jalen. Last shout out, last thing we have to mention before we move on from the Duke game, by popular demand, but the the podcast listeners, the website readers, they all said got to get the snow globe back up upstairs it's been downstairs what are you doing you're, you're losing us games brought the snow globe upstairs promptly the magic returned to Louisville basketball um, my wife I, I didn't say anything to her until after the Duke game and I was like you know I, I brought that up and she's like I know like it didn't say anything what a sweetheart taking one for the team she does not like the snow globe does not like the way that it fits onto the stuff on, on the little chest that it sits on in the main uh, main part of our house, but it's back. Snow globe magic's back, and I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, do you have a parting thought before we move on to to Clemson talk? Um, I really don't. It was a good win. Uh, we're you know two losses in the ACC. Uh, I'm I'm ready to keep the train moving. All right, we're going to talk now about uh, tonight. Again, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. We're going to talk about tonight's game against Clemson. Before we do, reminding you guys, we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Keep up with all their deals. We also post whenever they have a special deal uh, on the website. If you missed it over the weekend, they were giving you free shipping. Hope you took advantage of that. If you didn't, you can still take advantage of the promo code Card Chronicle, which is going to save you 20% when you check out. All one word, Card Chronicle. Uh, check out homefieldapparel.com. They've got the coolest retro Louisville gear, the, the softest hoodies, the most comfortable T-shirts. Uh, they've got some tanks. They've got football stuff. They've got basketball stuff. They've got a, a thousand new schools. Um, they've, they just introduced somebody new the other day. Uh, they got BYU now in the mix. They've got Cincinnati in the mix. They don't have Kentucky in the mix, though, which is all the more reason to spend your money with Homefield Apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Homefield Apparel. No E in apparel there. And at Homefield Apparel, all one word on Instagram. Again, thanks as always to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the pod and the website. We're going to move on now. We were expecting Louisville basketball's next game to be Saturday against Boston College. That got changed because BC is dealing with some COVID issues. So we're now going to play this game late night, 9 o'clock at Clemson. Um, and then we're going to play Monday afternoon against Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech, which we'll talk about later in the week. But, uh, Dan, I don't know if you were aware of this. I, I kind of had forgotten this. Louisville's only failed to win road games against two ACC opponents as they joined the conference. One is obvious. It's Virginia. We haven't beaten them there. The other is Clemson. 0-3 at Clemson since joining the ACC. 
kind of a weird thing. You know, you, when you think about the toughest places in college basketball or in the ACC to play, you don't typically think Little John Coliseum. Yeah, no, I I remember two of those. I remember one was, uh, I want to say it was our, our, our first year in the ACC because it was the same day that I think the Vikings lost to the Eagles in the uh, NFC Championship. And I remember being double sad about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean – uh, it's, it's a, it's Brad Brownell. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. I'd like, he looks like one of my uncles. That's the only information I have on good old Brad. <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. I I'm, I'm hoping last year at home, I know we busted them and then we just totally laid an egg at their place last year. Um, so, I mean, if that doesn't give the team any motivation, I don't know what will. So hopefully, we come out, you know, on fire tonight. Yeah, I know Chris Mack on his press co- at his press conference on Tuesday talked about the you know, the struggles of having this game sprung upon you because you know, Louisville wasn't supposed to play Clemson. They were only going to meet once this year, and it wasn't going to happen until early March. So this is something that wasn't even on their radar. I'm sure they didn't have a scouting report prepared. But I think that this actually works out better for Louisville than it does Clemson for two reasons. Uh, one, the scout on Clemson is basically the same as it was a year ago. They have most of the same players. Um, they've got Amir Sims. The offense still runs through him. They play the same type of defense. Most of their guards were on last year's team. It's not going to be a whole lot different than what you saw from the Tigers in both of your games last year. And then two, Clemson is playing like absolute dog shit right now. Like they, if you if you follow the team at the beginning of the year, through their first ten games of the season. I mean, they had probably one of the five best resumes in college basketball. Uh, they beat Purdue, who, who's now playing well in the Big Ten. They beat Alabama, who's currently ranked in the top ten uh, nationally. They beat Florida State, who maybe is the best team in the ACC right now. Um, beat NC State. Their only loss was at Virginia Tech. Not a bad loss at all. Um, so they were rolling, and, and I think were looked at as, if not the best team in the conference, then one of the two best teams in the conference. Then they had a COVID pause. Since then... I mean, not only have they lost three in a row, they have been just demoralized. They lose to Virginia by 35. They lose to Georgia Tech by 18. They lose to Florida State by 19. And those last two games weren't even as close as the final scores would indicate. I mean, this is a team that hadn't given up more than 70 points in a game all season long, and they've given up 80 or more in their last three. They have just been – they've been sleepwalking since they came back from from the COVID pause. Yeah, and the thing that's sad to me, they haven't scored more – and 65 points the last three games. Um, so I, I honestly think tonight where we're going to win it is on the defensive end. Um, they The only guy that averages double figures for them is Amir Sims. Uh, and the team we're bringing in there this year versus the team we had last year, I like the matchup a little bit more. I think we're more physical on defense. I think we have better matchups for Amir Sims than we did last year. Um, so... You know, we obviously we're going to have to score the ball. I mean, yes, they did lose. You know, they've lost three in a row pretty handily. Um, you know, I, you can say Georgia Tech is one of the hotter teams. I wouldn't say exactly that. But obviously, Florida State, they're on fire right now. And, um, you know, Virginia is Virginia. But it, I don't know. It, I, as much as I want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're catching a team um, that's playing bad right now. I also get a little nervous with a team coming off three straight losses that, you know, is at least capable of putting together a really good game because they showed us that earlier in the season. So um, I I still think we're going to have to bring our A game. I expect it to be pretty close, um, but 
I like I said, I like our chances, and I like the team we're bringing in there this year versus what we brought in there last year. If you want reason to be a little bit, I guess, pessimistic about this game, even with the way Clemson's played the last three, I think you look at the way that Clemson's been torched. They've basically, if you've watched any of those games, it's been the same story against Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Florida State. They've been killed off the dribble by opposing guards, and then, like, Everybody just overhelps. It's been an issue with Brad Brownell team since he got to Clemson, just the overhelping, leaving shooters wide open on the wings, and they've been torched from beyond the arc. Virginia was 15 of 27 from three. Uh, Tech was 9 of 18 from three, and Florida State was 12 of 28 from three. And that's, I mean, it should be good news for a Louisville team that has two guards that are really good at getting around opposing defenders. But the issue is if they all overhelp again against us and leave our shooters wide open from three, can we take advantage? It's been a little bit of an issue so far this year. You're going to have to have guys like Sam Williamson knock down outside shots. It's, it's the Charles Minlin breakout game. Here it comes. I'd, I'd love it. Yeah, we, we need somebody to make these open shots. The other thing that, that you would say if you want to, to be more optimistic is, look, even if the teams have been overhelping on our guards all year, we've still had David Johnson finish at the rim. We've still like, like nobody has been able to keep Carly Jones from getting all the way to the rack at any point this season. I know Amir Sims is a good shot blocker, but we've seen him kind of stop and hit the little mid-range jumper. We've seen him hit the little floater. We've seen him get fouled. We've seen him dish to Withers for uh, for jams and, and Dre Davis, the same thing. He's going to make the right decisions in those cases. But like that's, I think the good news is our guards should be able to get around their guards. The bad news is you may have like four guys crashing. This is going to be a game where, again, if, if, if we're not knocking down outside shots, we may need Dre Davis to dominate that baseline. We may need Jalen to finish around the rim um, because – they're probably going to make anybody beat them besides David and Carly right there for layups and dunks. Yeah. Another thing, if if I was on um, the team, I mean, you were going into this week thinking you were going to have to basically practice, you know, four days or five days and have to wait to play till next week. So, I mean, this game is like a reward. I would much rather play a game than have to practice all week. So, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm on the cards, I'm, I'm definitely, hype that we're playing a game maybe i don't want to say you're going to play any harder but um it, maybe it boosts their energy level just a little bit different versus you know them having to come to practice are you surprised i mean as it this could change in the next few hours but as it stands right now louisville a one and a half point underdog in this game just the second time they've been a dog all season long the only other time was that uh, the calamity at wisconsin Does that surprise you a little bit <sighs> I mean, I was just about to ask you what it was. I figured it would be close. I just, offense, I don't know, for for us, it it seems like it's such a chore to score sometimes. I, I, you know, uh, I know we've been getting in the lane a lot. I know Carly and Dave, you know, they can finish. Um, But it's just such a crapshoot on who the, you know, who's going to help out, who the third and fourth guy. I know Jalen's been a little bit more consistent, but... I don't know. Like some of the decisions we make on offense drive me crazy. Like how many long twos did we take last game? I was about to pull my hair out. Um, you know, I, I I just think with Clemson's defensive prowess and and how we can sometimes, especially on the road, going go into scoring lulls. Um, I could see why maybe not be an underdog, but I could see why it would be close. I'm with you, and we'll do – I mentioned Snow Globe Magic a little bit earlier. We also have Prediction Magic. Since we've been doing predictions, Louisville has not lost, and we've been uh, pretty close. I say we, 
you yeah i i everything. messed up last game that was okay. i did it on purpose it was motivation that's okay? exactly right exactly right so we'll do that when we end the, the pod i asked for questions on twitter we'll only get to a, a couple of these because we, we ran a little bit long at the beginning and we'll save some for the the second episode this week but um josh tech says why can't we win at clemson we, we mentioned the I think it's just one of those weird things. Like, remember back in the day we couldn't win at Notre Dame, and for some reason nobody could win at Notre Dame? It's the least intimidating venue, or it was the least intimidating venue in the Big East. It was the smallest. There was no real reason why teams should be worse there than any other venue in that that really good conference. But for whatever reason, we seem to – maybe it's the the terrible atmospheres, the the lack of enthusiasm at Little John, um, the air in Clemson, South Carolina. I don't know, but – not only have we not won down there, we've played really bad. All three of those losses, it was, they was, they're just bad, bad games. But I don't think that there's a rational explanation for it. Do they are, are they an arena that has tight rims? I love I love watching like the first couple of them be like, oh god, soft rims. I love this. But like Madison Square Garden, known for their tight rims. Um, I can't remember if Clemson has tight rims or not, but. I don't know. I just <laughs> you talking about Notre Dame. I have no idea why, but like literally one of the most underrated U uh, of L fandom moments of my lifetime was when Rick threw the vitamin water almost all the way to the ceiling. <laughs> like think about it nonstop. It was absolutely like all I can think about is if like Clemson hit a game tying three, Chris Mack just chucking his bottled water like 50 feet in the air to replica. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a reason why we we haven't gotten a win at Clemson yet. Gil Bolberg says, which ACC coaches do you think will get fired at the end of the season? And why is it Mike Bray, Jim Laranega, and Jim Christian? I don't think Bray or Laranega are going to get fired. I don't I think, think so either. Yeah, yeah, I think Christian's gone. I think Christian's gone. They they basically didn't fire him. Like they said last year that they were basically not firing him because of COVID. They're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're not making any moves here. It's like you got saved by like, – like, like, Jim Christian's the only guy who benefited from COVID-19 this year. Uh, Bray and Laranega, I feel like they've still got a little bit of a leash. They've had, like, Bray's team shouldn't be this bad this year, but they've had injury issues. And Miami has been maybe the worst luck team in college basketball since the the FBI stuff broke. Um, if, what about if, if Georgia Tech falters down the stretch and doesn't make the tournament? Is Passner on the hot seat? I don't think so. I, I think that they, like, for whatever, like, they don't care about basketball enough at Georgia Tech, which is a bizarre thing, but they seem to like him there. They seem to like the job that he's doing, even though they were in, in an NCAA issue last year. Like, I think he's got at least one more season there. The guy who I would keep an eye on, um, and it's pertinent to our interest on, on this pod, is Brownell. If they tank down the stretch, like he's extreme hot seat. They've had one run um, basically since he's been there. I think it's the only time they've been to the tournament was that 2018 run where they killed Auburn they killed Kansas and lost to Auburn in the Sweet 16. Um, but that's it. And they should have been better the last couple of years, and they've just, just sort of collapsed down the stretch. If they if they tank so much to the point where they don't make the tournament, I would keep an eye on that one. Uh, but I Jim, can see that. Jim Christian is the most obvious answer, I would say. Uh, Cole says, Dirty Dumpster Dan, with your affinity for children's movies, do you prefer Onward or Trolls World Tour? I, is, twirl, is Trolls World Tour? tour different than just trolls because trolls itself is amazing and 
if you don't have the soundtrack on your Spotify for Trolls, you are missing out. Like, it has some absolute bangers on there. Um, I, I, Onward, I feel like I've watched it and it was good. I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Shocker. I, like I said, I usually black out during those things. But um, I'll give the nod to Trolls just for the, the soundtrack. Uh, Dr. Abdunk says, what single thing do you miss most about Freedom Hall? Um, I'll say just kind of like the, it felt more cozy. It was like a more of a homey feel, like a, like a family atmosphere. Like it was rowdy Ooh, that's a good one. and it was tight, but it definitely felt, I don't know. You, you just felt like closer to the people that were in the building. Like when you're, the Yum Center feels like a cast system. Like, like if you're sitting up top, you feel like you hate the people below you because they're living a different life and vice versa. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like that, that's the only, that's my big knock on it. That's the thing that I miss the most. You had season tickets every year. You had more memories in freedom Hall than I did. What do you miss the most? Yeah. I mean, first off, it would be the noise level. Like, I mean, the yum gets loud, but I mean, when freedom hall got rocking, it was just, it was next level. Like it really did get so loud to where like, you know, the ground was shaking um i don't know like i would say i mean you're you kind of hit it on the head like there was just so many cast of characters like like freedom hall is almost like i don't know like you had like small classes in grade school and you got to know everybody whereas like yum center you know it's more like high school where there's a bunch of people in your graduating class and maybe there's there's some people you didn't really get to know and um you didn't cross paths with a lot uh, like you said, it's more of a family atmosphere. Um, but God, I I miss the hall so so damn much. Uh, Chris says, I want to know your guys' favorite Cardinal parent. It's hard to beat Siva's dad, but then you realize you've got Big Russ and you've got Rose Murphy and so forth and so on. Uh, favorite Cardinal dad. Uh, Underrated Stephen Van Trees's parents wearing his jersey. Love that. Okay, um, uh, real quick before we move on. I sat in front of Stephen Van Trees' dad at the uh, the Villanova game, the Big Monday game, where everybody wore white, and it was like like there was like a billion free throws. The game took like three hours to play, and we lost. It was uh, I think Scotty Reynolds last year at Nova, and Stephen Van it was Stephen Van Trees' dad, and he was sitting next to Ellis Miles. They were right behind me, and this was I think SVT's freshman year, so he wasn't playing a whole bunch, and his dad just basically was was saying Stephen should be playing 40 minutes a game on this team. It was the <laughs> It was the John, we'd, we'd played Kentucky a couple weeks earlier. It was the John Walden Cousins uh, game. And SVT's dad at one point was like, the last time Stephen played John Wall, Stephen pinned him against the backboard. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, I was like, oh, no. no. I was like, don't do this. And then Ellis was like, we haven't had a great rebounder since me. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, it, was like, it was the most self-absorbed conversation. But it was great. SVT's dad was awesome. Yeah. No, uh I, I mean, Siva's dad just obviously stands out. Um, I'm like kind of blanking right now. I, I I can't really think of too many too many parents that I, I recognize on on TV to be honest. Uh, big fan of Papa Becton, uh, Makai Becton's dad, who looked like Viscera from the old WWF days. Uh, he was just an enormous human being. Um, we can shout out Tim Henderson's aunt who always wore the, the Jersey. Like she was, she was a parent star, even though she wasn't a parent. Um, but yeah, I mean, have, you, you can't beat Papa Siva. Like Papa Siva was just an absolute icon. Still is. He, he was the best. Yeah, uh, really is. 
Jake Thomas says, does Dan realize he's voiced twins with H. John Benjamin? That's like the biggest compliment you can be paid. Like, that's the guy who does Archer and Bob's Burgers. And uh, I mean, he's like maybe the biggest voice actor in America. That's a high compliment. Dude, I've never seen Archer. Um, so I have no idea what this what this guy is even talking about. But uh, I'll, I'm going to have to watch it now. But thank you, uh, whoever tweeted that. Arthur's great. Like that guy's voice is, is awesome. He's just hilarious in general too. Um, all right, we'll we'll see here. We'll, we'll, I'm gonna save most of these for the next pod. But uh, Jamil says, where is Carly Jones ranking in your all-time favorite Louisville guards list right now? Um, I mean, it's hard to say because like so much of these legacy things are based off of how seasons finish. Like like if Louisville just tanks down the stretch and misses the tournament or is one and done in the tournament, then we probably don't view Carleek as, as highly as we do if, you know, we end up going to the Elite Eight or something. Um, but right now, man, I mean, he is he's so fun to watch. He's so good. He's so important. I know he's just a one-year player, but I feel like he's going to be every bit as beloved, if not more so, as, as Damian Lee is, you know, five years after the fact. I mean, he's just I wouldn't put him above like Russ or like Dewan Wheat or in, in that category, but as far as a guy making a one-year impact, he's made about as positive an impact as you can. Yeah, I'd say the Holy Grail since I've you know been cheering for him since like '91, '92. Like the top four for me would probably be uh, Russ, Dewan, Peyton, and Preston. Um, so I don't think he reaches that unless some special things happen in the tournament. Because, again, those guys, you know, stayed for a while. Um, and it's not fair to – I mean, Carleek's probably only going to be here one year. Um, but, I mean, the jury's still out. We'll see what happens in the tournament. He could very well reach, um, you know, that level for me. But a lot depends on what happens down the stretch. All right, we're not going to do – I feel like we don't need to do Dan in the Dumps or Mike in the Mud because we spent the entire beginning of the podcast just just talking about how terrible my week has been, uh, and you told some stories as well. Unless you have something, is there anything you want to get off your chest here? Um, I'll, it was a quick one. Like two weeks ago, my daughter was really sick. We couldn't sleep. Um, this is my youngest daughter, Mallory. Like we, I had to wake up. Um, my wife had been up pretty much all night, and I was like, fine, just – I'm going to take her on a car ride because she usually sleeps in the car. This was at 4 a.m. Like, and at 4 a.m. they keep here in Dublin, Ohio, they keep all the lights like yellow and you can just zoom right past. So I'm just like, all right, like, you know, riding in the dark by myself at 4 a.m. with my daughter. She finally went to sleep and I'm just cruising. Little did I know I had like ventured into Hilliard, which is like the neighborhood or like the neighboring town next door. I was totally just cruising along. I hit a speed bump that I didn't know was there. I <laughs> fucking literally went it like my car might have like gone evil Knievel in the air. I mean, this thing, I was like, whoa, like fucking woke her up. She's screaming. And like, just, <laughs> I like turn around to see if she's all right. And I'm doing it. I hit another speed bump going like the exact same thing. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? It's 415. Um, but, yeah, finally, after, like, 10 minutes, she finally calmed down. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm the worst. But, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my day in the dumps. All right. That was a good one. I like that. Um, all right. 
we mentioned this at the end of every podcast, but please subscribe to the pod if you haven't yet. Uh, if you rate us five stars and give us a nice review, that also helps the pod get out to more and more people and to kind of provide a little bit of an incentive for you to do this. We always read the reviews we get. Um, I can't remember, I, I, because we had that dump of reviews out of nowhere uh, a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember which ones we've read and which ones we have. I know we have one new one, but uh, here's one from back in December from Ken Tark, who says, as a Trinity grad and lifelong card fan, I love the show. You and Danny are good and hilarious after a loss and great after a win. Keep up the good work. Uh, if I skipped over one of the other ones from the, the past week, I apologize. I, I meant to read it. Write another one. It'll pop up to the, the top of the list, and we'll get to it. Uh, but here's one from Friday. Reagan Student 98 says, great show. I really love the content of the show. Really a blue-collar sound to it with enough inside information to make me listen. Dan kind of sounds like that kid in high school that would smoke pot every day and mumble his way through an oral report. At first, I hated the audio quality, but now I agree with Mike that it adds to the charm. Please add more jokes at DePaul's expense because it's been lacking lately. Go Cards. Well, DePaul sucks. I mean, De- DePaul is, once again, the worst team in the Big East, and that's just for you, Reagan Student 98. They are, they're awful. I can't even make jokes about them. They're, they're, they're that bad. All right, prediction time. Cards, 9 o'clock game. It's ACC Network Extra slash Fox Sports South slash Regional Network, so everybody's going to be scrambling to find the game. Hopefully you can watch it. Uh, Dan, I know you're going to be scrambling to watch it, but when you do watch it, what do you think the final score is going to be? I think we put it together tonight. I really do. I, I expect a good game from us. I think the guys are going to be excited that they're actually playing versus practicing. I'm going to say we win 68-62. I like it. Um, I, I think um, maybe some anxious moments at times in the second half and then ultimately – it's one of those games where we're kind of ahead the entire time, but Clemson just keeps it close and keeps hanging around, keeps hanging around. Maybe takes the lead briefly in the second half, and then we restore order down the stretch. Um, I think we score more than they're used to. I think their defense has just been just putrid the last couple of weeks. I think they're better against us tonight, but not good enough. I'll say Louisville 75, Clemson 67. That's what we'll go with. So uh, we will do one more episode this week where we talk about this game and then get you ready for the, uh, I mean, Monday afternoon. I feel like we almost have to do a instant reaction show from the Georgia Tech game uh, if we win, but we'll work all that stuff out between then and now. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the pod. Hopefully you are enjoying the cards game tonight. And when we talk to you next time, we're talking about a victory. Until we do talk to you next time, go cards. Go cards.